Welcome back to Bread and Butter, everybody, where we are the Hearthstone podcast, where we serve you up the basics to improve your game. This week, we have a guest whose headwear is uh, usually absurd. Ridiculous Hat, how are you doing today? Doing all right. How are you boys doing? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself, Doc? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just, uh, my legs are a little sore from my hike this morning, but I'm doing pretty good. Tell us about your hike. Because I know you mentioned you were starting to do this a lot more often. Uh, yeah, so there's just a lot of trails around, and there's this one trail my partner and I have found to be very beautiful. And we did it this morning before work, so it was a five-and-a-half-mile hike we did in just over two hours. Very nice. Jeez. And then you went to work. Yeah. I, did a sim- I did a similar hike from the bottom of Grand Central to the top, but it was... I don't know. It felt like five miles, but I don't think it was. That's a lot of stairs, my guy. It, it it's the the new terminal that they built. It's like it's under the regular station, so yeah, it's a ten minute transfer uh, oh from from one side to the other. So quite a walk. It wakes me up in the morning. For now, yeah, for about I'm another sh- week I'm or sure so. That right? would. <laughs> two more days. Oh, two more days! Fantastic. Uh, so hat. What have you been doing inside Hearthstone recently? Uh, so I, inside Hearthstone, playing. Playing standard. Um, I think every class has at least something I want to do right now, at least to some extent. I should really be farming Death Knight wins with Unholy right now, but I'm just playing whatever I can find, um, as well as whatever I can fit into the time I have available right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I don't think there's any particular deck that I've really gotten attached to. Um, like, every time I queue something up, Death Knight is my only class that's under 1,000 wins, so I feel compelled to play it. Uh, but also, I kind of... Like, Unholy's fun, but I just want to try everything, and every time I go on a decklist website, I see something new that I want to try out, so I just play the flavor of the day, which is my usual approach. Very nice. Tito, how about yourself? I have been kind of gravit. I, I I didn't finish my climb or stabilization at the end of the last month as well as I would like to. I played a lot of fun decks. I kind of just said I'm going to do what I want to, and uh, I, I'm I'm following that into this month. And um, for the climb, I've started playing a lot of Black Rock and Roll Warrior, which has been an incredible amounts of fun. I'm playing a really low to the cur- low to the ground uh, aggro rogue, which has been very interesting. And um, I've also been playing a lot of that s- spell uh, DH with the Sinful Brands. That seems to be really good. It's also a real lot of fun. Uh, well, at least while it's still... Um, it, it seems to be one of the better decks in the meta. So I've been kind of rotating between those. But I'm not going to lie. I love getting those 56-56 dragon, uh, uh, giants down. And I'm assuming that's probably why <laughs> I'm seeing so much more Sylvanas lately. <laughs> How about yourself, Doc? Uh, yeah, so I started the expansion playing um, Big Beast Hunter. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was good for the first day, um, but then it slowly or very quickly kind of petered off, and then I transitioned into playing a little bit of DH, played some Mech Mage because I just love Mech Mage, and then that petered a little bit too. So I've been going about like 55, 45 with Mech Paladin right now. Mech Paladin's a fun deck. Yes, it is. So what have you been doing outside of Hearthstone, Mr. Hat? Um, well, I got a new job. 
So Ooh, what? Right. So kind of really, um, it's. I don't know if I realized how ready I was to move on, but I've actually felt like kind of productive this past week. Though also that might be the past week uh, I had a, a week-long vacation in the Dominican Republic at one of those all-inclusive resorts. I try and oh, heck yeah. do that when I can, but it's it doesn't happen very often. Last time I went was about five years ago. So this was me and my wife, my mom and dad, her mom, her sister, her brother-in-law, and their one-year-old. And so it was the first time we did a double family vacation. The resort is, it's actually two different resorts that are connected. One side is 21 plus adults only. I was on that side. That side rules. And then on the (laughs) connected resort, it's all ages, family, whatever. So, uh, so mama and sister and brother and, and kiddo were over on that side. We met up at the beach and we met up, you know, for a meal here or there, but also it's very peaceful on the grown up side. So I spent a good bit of time there sleeping in. All inclusive. It was a good time. It was all right. Sounds like a fantastic time. I'm happy that you got to do that. Yeah, those are nice. Uh, any any particular um, aside from the relaxing parts of it? Anything? Any particular memories from that trip that uh, were fun? Any like excursions or anything? No excursion. No, it's, I don't leave the resort. I didn't set an alarm. The whole point of that kind of trip is to not have any notable, like, distinctive experiences. The whole thing just kind of blurs together. Sleep in, chill on the beach, have a drink, eat what they put in front of you, go home when it's done. It was it was a blissful blur where not very much happened. It was fantastic. Everybody got along. The kid was well behaved. Uh, like it was all it was all good really pleasant and then that trip was pre-planned before i knew that i was changing careers so i put my notice in the day my vacation started like i put my notice in then left for a week completely coincidentally and then <laughs> i come back and i've got two days left so are they taking you out to lunch or anything or are they just kind of scrambling to get as much knowledge <laughs> transfer out of you before you leave oh this is uh, so i'm as the general manager of a movie theater i don't have any peers in the building like my boss is in kansas so it's not like there's anyone to take me out to lunch or whatever uh they just need to keep the building open and my job is to make sure that whatever needs to be dealt with is dealt with but also like my team's pretty self-sufficient i built a management style of empowering them to run the building because that's what they need to do is run the building they call me when they have questions my phone isn't turning off uh but it's really just making sure that I've crossed the T's and dotted the I's and that everything is in motion that needs to be in motion before I sign off and making sure that my expense reports get paid. That's very important. Yes. Very nice. Doc, what have you been up to outside of the game and hiking? Um, I mean, I've been playing a lot of uh, Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, <laughs> one, of my, one of my coworkers at the Credit Union, that's like the one game he plays. And so... Aside from being able to talk to him about Star Wars, I started playing Raid Shadow Legends again to have something else to talk to him about. Um, but I've been playing a little bit of League of Legends for fun, not doing anything like trying to climb or whatever. And when you don't look at all chat and you're just playing with friends and you don't care what happens in the game, the, tox- the toxic part of League kind of just crumbles away at that point. But uh, that's what I've been doing outside of Hearthstone besides hiking because I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, Dio, how about yourself? 
Well, we had our fight night on Saturday, which was a blast. Uh, props to Dragon Rider, who did a fantastic job with production as usual. It was the first time... It's, it was our third fight night, and it was basically our fifth event, because we did the fight nights, we did you versus Smarms, and we did the Coin Concede Listener Series finale between Potato and Potato Cat and um, uh, World 8. So we've we've gotten we finally have gotten kind of a rhythm and it was the first time I actually felt like I could cast like the first couple the first time my dog was sick my wife was you know hey why don't you take care of the dog and so that was very distracting it was hard to really kind of get comfortable and then with blister guy and and just a guy we still had some issues with the audio and you know it's still kind of nervous but this is the first time I, I sat down it was fun we got into the jokes we 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 enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the match it just felt so much better and i'm looking forward to doing more but um if you want the results from that um if you don't want to hear the results um just skip ahead um about a minute but uh warshack beat edelweiss three to one there were some fat fantastic decks sorry hat your shaman did not do so well but i don't think that was necessarily your fault i think that uh when edel built she went greedy and uh warshack kind of kept things low to the ground and so that Made it difficult to wait out for the uh, Ragnaros into uh, criminal lineup endpoint there. But um, once again, we had a hunter that did not bring a, uh, uh, what's the weapon? The harpoon gun. Big, big Hydralodon in deck, no harpoon gun. Second time in a row. I, I, I don't understand. But it was a lot of fun. And um, the other good news is I was talking to my wife today, and we're finally going to let my kid watch some Star Wars and a couple other things so i'm very much looking forward to uh introducing him to at least the original trilogy and and going from there but um i think that's enough from me doc why don't we uh introduce our guest to uh, a lot of people may not know who ridiculous hat is so let's um let's get into it no homer don't fill up on bread yeah yeah he's a pretty elusive guy uh so hat you've been such a giant figurehead uh, in the Hearthstone community, whether it be podcasting, content creation, running THL for almost a decade, um, and also just being available to help people when they have random technology questions. What now that you can't really do that on the same level uh, with your new job? Like, how how do you think? Like, you're going to adjust to that. It's a great question. I don't know. I haven't done the job yet. I haven't started yet. <laughs> um, but keep in mind, my role as associate community manager or associate influencer manager, the two different job, like, versions of the job title, um, the reason that I made it there and something that I expect to continue is community connection. That's some of the value that I add. And so, like, responding to the Discord DMs, is not something that I expect my job to preclude. In fact, I expect my job to allow me to do that better because, oddly enough, this new position probably saves me 20 to 25 hours a week. Uh, even if you even if you assume the job duties are the same, which I know they're not. I know that working in customer-facing service industry, I get a lot of phone calls at 11 or 12 at night, and that's normal, and that's... Stops happening as much. Not never, but as much. It's no longer routine in this position. There's no more commuting, which is an hour each way. 
that I get back five days a week. Uh, and for better or worse, the hobby projects that I've been a part of, those are going to fade away, uh, or at least in my perspective, like Coin Concede Vicious Syndicate are still continuing this podcast. Angry Chicken ended regardless, just happened to be fortuitous timing. THL will continue, uh, and I imagine that I'll still be available to whoever needs support because a big part of being a community manager, someone asks you something, you got the answer. So I don't anticipate that changing all that much, uh, but again, I have to do the job to figure it out. As far as the content space, it's going to be weird. It's going to be real weird because I'll tell you, after doing three podcasts for multiple years, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts right now. I don't have the stomach <laughs> for it as much. Because yeah. I'm just so deeply immersed in doing them. I edit two of them, you know, do three of them. But now that I feel some of those commitments start to wind down, I think if I really look in the mirror and, and ask myself how burnt out were you, I think the answer was kind of like solidly ready for something a little different uh, combined with the pressure of the day job. Just I, I feel as though it's a good time to pass the torch here, and I don't anticipate disappearing. Because remember, my job is to be here for the community. Yeah. My job is to be here for all the people listening to the show. And answering random DMs, I don't know if either of you have ever interacted all that much with Alkali or Deck Tech. They're really good at responding to random DMs or pings. Like, really, really good at it, especially when they're not supposed to be working. And those are my teammates. Those are the people on my team, Alkali and Deck Tech. I could not be more lucky to have them as teammates, co-workers, friends. And if the example they said is the example that I'm going to be following, we're all going to be just fine. And Nick did a fantastic job this week of emulating just about every podcast out there, uh, or at least the intro, uh, spot on. Uh, but that is, it, it's funny because... I always make the joke that before it used to be Scott Johnson and that was for a long, long time. And lately it's been you is I basically, I talk to you like six hours a week and that's going away because I listen to you and I walk the dogs on the angry chicken, the vicious syndicate. And like, sometimes there are jokes that you have that I know are going to, I know they're coming because you told this joke on tack and I know you're going to use the same joke on Zacco. And I know you're going to use it on the coin concede. And, and, and it's like the joke of the week. And it's funny. I like, I almost anticipate it. So just having you not, even though this podcasts aren't going away, not having you in that space is going to be strange. It is. The rhythm is definitely there. Um, like, I feel like for the listeners, it's going to be as hard or harder as this for me because I try really, really hard to not let my ego get ahead of me. I really want to stay humble and, and be, you know, recognize the value that can be added by talking to people, but just feeling like another person in the ecosystem. Um, but I have to recognize that the three shows I was on were the three most listened to Hearthstone podcasts, I'm pretty sure. And that's not nothing. So I apologize for anyone that's going to make it weird. I know that the shows are going to be great. They're going to have some different voices now. I'm really glad both Coin Concede and Vicious Syndicate have such clear plans for moving forward. And the Anger Chicken was bittersweet, but also the show's been going for 10 years, and it's time yeah. for people to grow up and move on. And, like, I I felt good about how that ended even though i really enjoyed my time on the show uh i think that both cc and vs will be totally fine at, and we'll find new voices there will be change 
it's i've been through those changes as the person receiving the thing that someone else has left behind it's great to make something your own but the transition process is intense uh so i know that Edelweiss and Wicked Good over in CC and Zach over in VS will do fine, but it's going to be change, and people complain about change. So it'll be a process. And and one thing with the, the three different podcasts you did, they, they kind of all were – you had a different role on each of those podcasts. You had a different voice on each of those podcasts. I tried to. I reused the jokes, as you mentioned. No, but, no, no, you know, no, no, no. When you come up with a banger, you got to run it back. Absolutely. Like, but on, on Coin Concede, you were the host. You were like the you were the leader. You you were the guy with the baton, and 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 and, and you had the jokes. You had the pacing. You had a lot of things. On on each of those podcasts, I think fills a different role for the listener. Like, I never really felt like I felt. I always felt like Tack was like the the weed of podcasting for Hearthstone. It kind of was like the beginner, the gateway to get you in. And then when you started to want to like learn more and become better, that was the coin concede. And then when you really wanted to get into like the nerd stuff, that was like the vicious syndicate and the numbers. And on each of those podcasts, you definitely had a different role. And, and I really, I always noticed that and I appreciated that because that it's not easy to be different on each thing and finding your rhythm in each of those roles. It uh, was really hard to do. <laughs> And I was self-conscious of it. Like, VS is easy, because that's Zach's show, and he just talks, and I'm like, okay, man. And then, like, every so often, I'll throw a quip at him or disagree or mention that I like playing one-drops, and that's the entire show. Uh, but <laughs> the other two are—they were very difficult to keep separate, and I had to try and play up the different roles. Like, I played down my, my energy as the host on CC and then played up my energy as color commentator. Like, I had to be Jim Nance on one show and Phil Sims on the other, right? That, that was the goal. Um, so, difficult to do, but I, you know, I felt like I got really good at it right when the shows ended, so. No, oh, no, you've been good at it for years. <laughs> uh, and especially yeah. on, especially on, uh, I would say, Tack. I know, like, you would, they, we would talk about certain things, and you would could get a lot more into detail about things, but you really kept it at that high level because that's what that, that show was. It was for the people that, like, not the casual player, but not necessarily the, the, you know, people pushing for legend pushes and all that. It was more of the informative show, but doc, sorry. Uh, I sorry to take yeah. that on a tangent there, but <laughs> go ahead. You're good. So hat, I'm sure you've seen the plethora of memes. People have always made about you being Thanos collecting your infinity stones of podcasts, whether it be you hosting them or you guesting on them. Um, so, with starting podcasts, was there any particular thing that like drew you in other than just wanting to talk about like the game and being passionate about the game? It's not a medium that I'm like that I was naturally drawn to before. It's just the medium that I think makes the most sense, given that I stumbled into it by replying to a bunch of people on Twitter and they're like, hey, we have a 20 minute show. Why don't you just put a bunch of tweets in a row and then say them out loud? And that's 1600 dust. And so that was where I ended up like the first time I was on a show. And then Coinkasee's like, hey, we need someone to do that for longer. Jump on here. And then the opportunity for the Vicious Syndicate show popped up because Zach needed someone that knew podcast production and had worked with him before. And I was the only option at that time. And, you know, I was also the top pick, but also the only pick because... If I hadn't said yes, they just wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have done the podcast. But he wanted to do something that went along with it, and that was 
it was early COVID. It was in the early twenty, like uh, twenty twenty. And at that point, doing anything that was remotely social seemed like a really good idea, uh, because I needed something to fill the time and I needed people to talk to as much as possible. So it definitely ended up just kind of taking off from there. And then I think I joined Angry Chicken later that year. Something like that. Also, during the COVID era, it was a very strange time. It's hard to remember everything. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I like guesting on shows. I like talking to people. Uh, and like I said, I, I always try and stay humble. When someone invites me on there and say, we value what you think and what you have to say. Why don't you come say it in our show? I'm honored to be invited, and I want to make sure that I treat that invitation with the respect that it deserves and make sure that I, you know, I am grateful to have the chance to share and also want to make sure that I recognize someone's making content and they want me to be a part of it. It's pretty cool to be able to have that many opportunities in that many different contexts and spaces and see what people are like and and share things. Uh, And it seems generally they... I, I've been pretty successful at making connections in those contexts and otherwise. So I'm really happy to have had that many opportunities. You know, it's, I don't chase people down. I don't want people to think I've got this checklist. I'm like, well, they haven't invited me yet, so they better do that. Just <laughs> it tends to work out, and I really want to make sure that I give those invitations the respect that they deserve. Well, we actually – so when we started the podcast, we talked about this because we, we know how uh... – how nice you are and how willing you are to help people out you know and you've been on the shows and we said we didn't want to establish our show by trying to get like the the hat bump uh, or as it were and we wanted to try to like establish ourselves first and then have you on and and to celebrate hey we've been doing this for a while we succeeded now let's let's bring on some royalty um and we were going to have you on for episode 25 because that really felt like you know that's a that's a milestone that we've achieved it's one that you know it's a it's a not a round number but it's 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 one of those numbers that people kind of look at and so we'll get you on for 25th and you agreed to that we were happy about that and then you were like hey i got a job at blizzard i start in a couple weeks we we're like well maybe we'll bring him on in episode 23 that'll be a little better <laughs> before we have to like get approval to have you on yeah, the timing worked out. Uh, did you ever get used to being essentially a celebrity in the Hearthstone space hat? I still or don't is... think I'm a celebrity, man. I still don't think that's true. You were true. a like news it's, item. It's, it's, that was so weird. So I guess <laughs> the answer is no, I have not gotten used to it. That was so strange. But like Number Theory over in the CC Discord just sent me a picture of his Google News feed. And he, like the top story was that I got a new job. And like, I... I it's news, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's really strange. When I was on vacation, I said this in the last CC. I'll say it again here because, you know, got to do my bit. But when I was on vacation, my mother's like, okay, I have to tell you. I made a Twitter account, and I don't interact with any of your stuff because I don't want you to block me. But I <laughs> see what you post. And she went and read my announcement tweet. And she was like, oh, my God, the comments were so wonderful and lovely and amazing. And everyone was so nice to you. And they all said such great things. So it's strange that talking on podca- on podcasts made so many strangers happy that my mother is now happy. But thank you, Internet Strangers, for making my mom happy. And I don't know. It's It's, it's nice, but, like, there is... It's really hard to digest the parasocial nature of interaction in this day and age because there's a wide variety. There are people that I have that I have had dinner with that I consider close friends because I've t- 
talked on a show about a game and they've listened to it. And then there was a further connection from that. But there's also literally thousands of people that routinely listen and recognize me, but I've never interacted with them in any way that I'm aware of. And so celebrity, I think, conveys a sense of more common familiarity. I don't know. It's... No, I have not gotten used to it. No, I haven't really internalized it because I don't. I don't really know what celebrity means. I don't. I really, really don't want to try and get my ego ahead of myself because I just. I just talk about the game, and every time I see that follower count go up, I'm just like, but why? <laughs> and the weird thing is, like you were talking about the Paris parasocial relationship is we have we all have those right like we are you listen to a podcast every week you feel like you're almost friends with them like i've met jury i've met um some people like andrew heaton and like you know he might recognize me because i've tweeted at him and and that we've had you know our picture taken together and we had a couple beers whatever but like there are people like you know brian brushwood or, or whoever or garrett weinzerbel um that you know you've heard all the time you've had some interactions with on twitter but you know, they don't really know you. And it's like you have this ability that you've kind of broken that wall a bit where people have become like I, I if I met you in person and we had a beer, that wouldn't that would just almost feel normal. And 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 that is such a a different space. And, and it's you, you it's not common, but it's great. So thank you for that. Of course. So with uh, with the new job, um are you and your wife going to be staying in New York for a while and then considering moving out to California to be closer to campus? Or are you just going to be permanent remote? That is up to Activision Blizzard King and not to me. Okay. Um, the The first year is a full remote assignment, and after that we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't have any clarity on that right now. Um, but, you know, it's it's not off the table, especially if they say, well, if you want to keep this job, you got to move. Well pretty sure i want to keep the job but hasn't come up yet for now i'm really just focused on starting the job and i I, the first year is fully remote so we'll see how that goes maybe you could just move halfway there and go to idaho and work closer to alkali and then you can be you know around with daniel storm with sheldon (laughs) a little bit and i think that's more than halfway i'm not a map (laughs) doctor but i think it's more than halfway just by like a mile or two uh so hat um when years from now when you haven't been a content creator for a while what is the thing like what do you hope your legacy will be man it's a heavy ass question like it's listen i don't want to be a legacy what i want people to think of is oh yeah I'll message the hearthstone community manager he used to do podcasts so he can give me advice so he can guide me on this thing so he can hook us up with some codes or whatever I want people to still be interacting with me. Legacy implies departure. I'm not departing the Hearthstone community. I, like, I'm going to be a mole. One of <laughs> us is going to be on the inside. So legacy implies what are people going to remember. But I don't want to. I don't want people to look back at a bunch of podcasts and be like, wow, that's, that's, these are the things the guy did. I want to still be around. Because how can you manage a community you're not a part of? That's very fair. So let me let me phrase it this way. Years removed from Hearthstone podcasting and streaming when you're further into your career with Blizzard, what is the one thing you will be the proudest of that you have done in this space so far? Uh, 
I know that's a loaded question, and it wasn't on the sheet hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think I can point to specific moments um, where there were a few times that I'm definitely proud of where I used my platform to amplify the voices of people that did not have a platform uh, to or at least had a platform, but maybe their issues, which were so, so visible, were invisible to the audience that needed to hear them, right? It's the women gaming episode on Quinkseed was a good one. Uh, there were a, a few statements we made at the beginning of episodes about things that were going down, uh, the George Floyd situation. I know, like, there was a statement on that. Um, it's it's good in those moments. Uh, helping people navigate through the Blitzchunk situation, that was a hard... Mm-hmm while i'd say week but that was more like months uh that was challenging um there was just a lot of stuff there's it's stuff has happened hearthstone like there are there are emotional burdens to work through um but i think if i'm looking at a general feeling um i always try to make it cool to like the game you play like and i know that sounds kind of dumb to enjoy a thing that you do for fun but there are a lot of people that get involved in habits and habitual cycles. Uh, a lot of people that get wrapped up in something that they used to enjoy doing and still want to do it. And I've always made a really, really big focus on retrospect, like insight. And making sure you're doing this because you want to do it. You're not doing things you don't want to do. And you're okay with putting the game down for a second if you need to put the game down for a second instead of keep playing it because it's what you do every day. So that focus on mindset and emotional intelligence, both within the game and without it, uh, I think that's where I can point to a lot of interactions where people were having a bad time, and I was either able to talk them into changing their mindset or changing their approach. And many of them circled back with me, said, hey, really feel better about this, having more fun. Or, hey, I took a break, you were right, I totally needed it. Or, hey, I took a break, you were right, I realized I was only playing out of habit, I'm done with Hearthstone now, thank you for helping me. And while I don't want the game to, like, lose people, I don't want the game to keep people that it's already lost. So, helping people realize what's going on so that they can be happier, in general, has been my approach. So, you know, it's like, I tend to be pretty positive on social media because... If I didn't want to keep playing Hearthstone, I wouldn't. I would stop. I would just not do it. So the reason that you see me talking about enjoying the thing I choose to do is because when there are things that I don't enjoy doing, I stop doing them. Now, I'm also not a full-time streamer. My income is not dependent on... Well, it wasn't. Blizzard, please. Now it is. Um, (laughs) But before, like, I could have just stopped playing Hearthstone and done my job and life would have continued. So there was no need for me to play it if I didn't want to. Full-time streamer is a... Can I swear in the show? Yes. Yes. Full-time streamer is a shitty job. Like, you can get to be really good at it. You can build real connections. There There is upside to it. It is incredibly draining. The effort it requires is tremendous. The payoff takes forever. Taking days off actively punishes you. It's a very whimsical uh, position in terms of, like, the whims of your viewers determine how much you get paid. And you have to keep doing the same thing over and over again and playing the same game whether you want to or not unless you are, like, Day 9 or Northern Lion or something. Very few people get that luxury of being variety streamers. So 
if you're in that position and you literally need to play Hearthstone 40 hours a week to eat, I would not be happy either. And I don't blame people for vocalizing their negativity. But I was always proud, uh, like, and lucky that I was never in that position. But I was always proud of creating a positive mindset around the things we choose to do and then being aware of our own choices in that context. Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you so much, Hat. A follow-up on that, though. Uh, so you mentioned the, the the women Hearthstone, and I remember that's how I discovered this community. I was listening to TAC because that's what I knew, and they said, you need to go listen to Coin Concede because on Coin Concede, they're having this uh, women Hearthstone panel, and it was one of your bonus episodes. It was there, and it, it the, the most impressive part about that from, from your point of view is you got out of the way. You just you you facilitated the, the roundtable, and you said, well, I'm a dude. They're the women. They're going to talk about this, and they're the ones with the things that we need to hear. And you just got out of the way, and, and that once I got to that, I started listening to Coin Concede. Then you, then you guys said, "Hey, you need to go listen to Squelch. Hey, you need to go listen to Bullslet." And that opened up all these communities to me, and it was it was such a great time. And and um, but with that moment there, and you, you mentioned a couple others. Is there one particular moment in podcasting that you were like, "This this was like." I, I am so proud of this podcast. This this episode, like we did, the, we did it. This was great. Was there one moment like that for you at all, or does it all just kind of blur together? So YouTube been doing podcasts for a little while. How many times after you finish an episode do you remember what you've said during that episode? Is it approximately none episodes? Yeah, for me at least. I remember last week, but we had Super Blind Guy on, and that was kind of a, a fun episode. So, um, but yeah, that'll fade off. That'll fade away in a week or two. So it's really hard to point to specific episodes or moments or whatever. There are a few that have been brought to my attention after. Um, the episode I linked to the most of the Jared Tendler episode over on Coin Concede. Uh, he's a poker mindset coach. And we have a, we had a connection of a, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, who happens to be in a former slash current on again off again poker pro is really really good at poker it's like hey do you want me to email jared i looked up his rates guy is 250 dollars an hour and we got him for 30 minutes for free like i'll take it and it was really really solid mindset advice that a lot of people have told me after the fact i've gone back and listened to that episode a bunch of times it really really helps um so that's one of the moments uh that i can really point to and i think also it's kind of hard to top the game director picking Coin Concede to come on to announce his departure. Um, yeah. He emailed us. So that's not a thing that happens. When the game director is like, I like your show. I want to announce this big personal news. So I'm telling you before I tell my own team so you can be ready. That's a what the fuck moment. So... It was pretty cool and also really like an out-of-body experience, but I felt really proud of what we built that the connection that we had with the team at the time was such that the game director said, this is where I want to tell people. That was consider myself pretty lucky to have been in that position. And that was right on a milestone too, right? So it all, it was a pretty, uh, it was, was it 400? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Coin Concede hasn't had 400 episodes yet, so probably not. But it's, I have no idea. So these next couple questions are significantly easier, hopefully. Uh, so first one, what is your favorite deck of all time? I'm pretty sure it is Un'Goro Burn Mage still. 
Um, there are a few other options. Uh, Brute DH is way up there. Brute me, dude. Uh, <laughs> Brute me, dude. Uh, it's way, way up there. Um, there are a lot of different rogue decks, obviously, that I love. Anything with one mana, cold blood. Uh, various incarnations of the Miracle Rogue. Baron's Rogue might actually be my favorite because we got to play with two mana Octo, and that was awesome. Um, there's, uh, I'm trying to think. There have been a few others that I've really liked. I mean, there are, I like Hearthstone. Um, Naga Priest. Love Naga Priest. Uh, really, like, Naga Mage, too, I enjoyed, but it just, it didn't win enough. Um, but Naga Priest I played for a while. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Risky Skipper's a really fun card. Enjoyed a lot of different skipper decks and anything with Bloodsworn Merc. I don't know. Hearthstone's a fun game. But Un'Goro Burn Mage is probably still my number one. Um, I played so much of that deck, and it was so, so fun. And just being able to curve from Mana Worm all the way up to Pyroblast, you don't get to do that anymore. No. Unfortunately. Or fortunately for some people. Uh, so... Out of all the metas we've had, is there one that you can distinctly think of of being the one that's like your favorite or that you've had the most fun in? Angoro is one of them. Uh, the one month of saviors after the galaxy nerf, but before Tomb in the Tombs, was I remember telling my wife that like I was so tired because Harson was really good right now and I had been playing nonstop for weeks. Um, Saviors was really really fun. Uh, it's either it's probably that or Ungoro. Like there have been a bunch of recent metas that I've really enjoyed. Um, Scola was fun. I really liked Stormwind. Like I I enjoyed Stormwind. Uh, there was a bunch of Martial Lich King that I liked. The two week period. Oh, one of my other favorite decks. The uh, Alterac, the week between Christmas and New Year's, when we figured out the first version of Thief Rogue, but it wasn't cool yet, loved that. Really, really enjoyed it. And then, immediately after, like, the week later, everyone figured it out, and then they put Wild Pond Knowles and Poison Rogue, and then that became one of my least favorite metas very quickly. Alterac was so troubled because there were two really good months and two really bad months. I think Wicked Goods with there with you and not liking that meta for a while. Well, but this was Jackpot hadn't been printed yet, so it was a different kind of Thief Rogue. No Jackpot, no Trickster. It was uh, Recon was there. There were I forget exactly what the list was. It was really really good and really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I know Enthrallment over in Squelch was playing that deck nonstop. Um, but yeah, it's, if I had to pick a favorite meta, it's probably one of those two. Awesome. Thank you. I also really enjoyed Ngoro. Um, do you have a favorite Hearthstone meme? There are a lot of really good ones, but it, I think I have to do 29 for sure. I think that's the one that I land on the most often. Like, there are a lot of good ones. 4 mana 7-7 seven, seven is great. Good stats for the cost is great. Um, but... I think 29 for sure is probably the one that comes up the most that I just recognize. So I don't know. I personally hate to say this, but I don't understand the 29 for sure reference. Uh, let me see here. Probably I'm calling if myself I still out have here. it on. 29 for sure. 29 for sure. It is still in my soundboard. So <laughs> the. The Red Bull Team Brawl, it was Eloise, Firebat, and Raynad, where it was three people playing three matches at the same time. They were all sitting next to each other, and 
I believe Firebat was uh, had a lot of damage. The opponent was at 29. And Firebat, Eloise, and Raynad were counting the damage together. They got three different numbers three times, but in the third time, both Firebat and Raynad land on 29, and Raynad said, oh yeah, 29 for sure. Okay. Went face, it was 28. <laughs> <laughs> Off by one. And then Firebat made the exclamation you just heard. Yelled at Raynad for a while. It was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Yelling at Raynad. That's a meme. That's, that's, I'm, I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah. I miss Firebat so much. He was one of my favorites. I, I used to watch him all the time. He's a good dude. So um, in the Hearthstone creator space, is there anything that you didn't get to do that you're sad that you didn't have the opportunity to do so? I feel pretty good about my lived experiences there. I mean, I like there are so many people doing so many cool things that do I wish I could have done more cool things with more cool people? Yes, but I'll get to facilitate some of those with a new job. And otherwise, I feel like if I were to count my blessings in this space, I would have more than my fair share. Uh, so it's entirely possible there are plenty of cool things that I wish I could have gotten another chance to do, but I want to make sure that the next up-and-coming creators get those chances. So I don't feel like I'm leaving too much on the table here. Well, without you, podcasts like us probably don't exist. So thank you. Thank you. I'm, that's an honor. Tito, I'm getting I'm getting a little hungry. I How about we move over to the, the main course for the evening? That sounds fantastic. Broccoli, broccoli, it's time to eat your broccoli. So originally I tried to come up with a topic that it came up in season goals in the Coin Concede Discord where we're talking about what kind of Hearthstone player are you? And... For some people, that's an easy question. I'm a hunter main. I'm a, I like aggro. But for some others, like myself, it's like, well, I, I don't know. And it's especially with I'm trying to find out, I'm trying to become a better competitive player with the THL League. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the Pro League where there are some names and there's some people that I am punching well above my weight right there. I have, I am, I am scared weekly in what I'm doing. And I, I, I'm like, what kind of player am I? So I, I thought that'd be a good topic. And I came up with some questions and, and, Apparently, you know, not knowing the answer made it a little difficult to ask the question. So, of course, Hat, being the veteran that he is, says, no, I think this is what you mean to ask. And, of course, he came up with a, a much better solution here. So we're, uh, we, we, he's labeled this terms of engagement, and I like that. So, uh, Hat, uh, what does it mean to play the game on the game's terms? And what does it mean to play on your terms, the gamer's terms? So why do people ask or say... I'm an aggro player, I'm a control player, I'm a, I'm a home brewer, I build my own decks, I'm a, you know, I'm a rogue main, it's, I, I like to pick one deck. Why do you think people say that, say those kinds of things? Because they want to define themselves. They want to uh, be able to express that to others so maybe they can find some common interest and, and facilitate the way they like to play. Maybe. <laughs> seems reasonable doc what do you think uh for myself like i i say i'm like an aggro to mid-range player but that's just because the decks that i find i enjoy playing the most fall into those two categories 
I don't, my brain doesn't understand how to play combo and it doesn't understand how to play control. So aggro and mid range is where like I can play and have fun without trying too hard to figure out how to play. So doc, I think you're probably closer to where I would land. People use it as a shortcut to uh, make patterns out of their previous successes. Right, like I did well with this deck this time and this other deck this time. Well, that means I'm a person that does well with these decks. Right, it's human beings are pattern recognition machines, especially in strategy game contexts. So I would expect that people say that because, well, this worked for me in the past, so it must I must extrapolate that, assume it'll work for me in the future, and I had fun because I was winning. That makes sense, right? Winning's fun for the most part. Yeah, I do. You do see some discourse saying I'm winning with this, and you know, but I hate this playstyle. But this is the good deck, so I'm winning with it. There's some of that, yes. So, really, like what people are saying, part of it is I've identified what has worked for me and what has been fun in the past, what keeps me closer to winning, and otherwise, people also tend to like can be for multiple reasons. They tend to figure out in a different way. Winning less but doing it on my terms is more fun than winning more on somebody else's terms. By playing a deck I don't like, even if it's better, or by playing a net deck when I like doing it my own way, I feel smarter and better and have more fun when I do it my own way. I'm in this game to do things my own way, so I'd rather brew than net deck, even though I know my brews will win less. And it's totally okay to have those preferences, and people are communicating, this is what my preference is. And they're also kind of letting you know, one way or another, how much they care about win rate versus doing things their own way, doing things in their terms. There are terms, so the the terms that people can set, there are many examples, but here are a few. Aggro player, control player, combo player. Right. And some of this is going to speak to prior success, some of this is going to speak to preference. Classes, rogue main, warrior main, the people that main just one class, I am about as far from understanding that as possible, but people really get dialed in, and they want to do that, and that's just how they look at the game, if that's what makes it more fun for them. Um, When someone is a home brewer, you don't have to ask them, they'll tell you, (laughs) and and then you'll get a pretty good idea of what they're here for. Uh, and if you want more information on that, the Funky Monkey episode of Coin Conceit that we ha- where we had him on was really insightful to me to get an idea of what does a brewer look and sound like outside of my co-host, especially Edelweiss, who is also a brewer through and through. Um, and then there's the more nebulous things. You'll get people that say, I really need to pick a deck and stick with it, or I really want to be able to change up what I'm doing at any given time, or... You know, people who express concern because they will only play a control deck even when control isn't isn't good versus people like, I'll just do whatever. You learn a lot about people by which of these preferences they can express. Does this make sense so far? It does, but the, the problem that I run into specifically and why I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around this concept is you. I like making my own decks. I have a lot of fun doing that. I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to make Tony DH work because I wanted to uh, build up my the charters of my weapon, play Tony, attack with the weapon, draw a billion of their cards, and lose. And that's not a good deck. That's hard. I was trying to make that work. 
but I also care about how well I'm doing. You've seen me in, like I said, the season goals. I have, I had a really good season. I'm trying to improve as a player. And these are two conflicting things at this point in my life. And I don't know how to reconcile that. This is the fundamental conflict and why we need to set the terms because people want to both have their cake and eat it too, which as an aside, I've never really understood that saying because what else are you going to do with the cake? When you have it, what else are you, what, what are you going to do? You give it to everybody else, and you enjoy the fact that they enjoyed it, maybe. I but don't then know. you don't have it anymore. You could look at it and have it, <laughs> but you're not eating it. It's a dumb saying, so we'll just all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. But it's, So people want to, do you want to do things in the game's terms, do things in your terms? And sometimes those two things intersect. Sometimes I want to be an aggressive player that plays one drops, and then they go and print Vicious Slither Spear, and they put it in every deck, and I hit people with it, and I'm like, I am happy. That is what I want and what the world is giving me converging. But as every person over the age of 10 years old knows, and as you learn more and more as you get older, the universe does not always do what you want. And sometimes you have to be flexible, and you have to make choices and manage expectations. And when you're in a position where what I want and what I can have have space in between, you have to decide, do I change what I want or do I change what I have? Do I manage my expectations towards, well, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do and not win as much and be okay with that? Are you actually going to be okay with that? Most people aren't. Or are you going to say, well, it's time for me to put what I want on the back burner and do what I need to do. And that's when you go and you see Wicked Good, my lovely co-host, playing a lot of Unholy DK. It's a fun deck. He finds his fun. He's a Control Priest player. When Control Priest is around, he's going to do that. That's what he wants to do. But he also wants to hit Legend and climb and play Hearthstone and have a good time. And so he loves Unholy DK because it hits people in the face real good, but it has a lot of value and it's really hard to take off the board. It has sustainability. It fits within his preferences of never wanting to feel like he's out of things to do. But also it fits a very different niche of it wins as opposed to Control Priest. Now, unfortunately speaking, I have to tell you that Control Priest is on the up and up. It is going to be a, a good deck pretty soon. He'll be happy. I'm happy for him. <laughs> Not happy for us, but happy for him. Uh, but it's really about understanding the choices in front of you. And then what do you do about it? And then what do you do? And people are like, they really want to identify themselves a certain way because they want to speak to their current comfort zone. But sometimes you got to get out of that comfort zone. That's been the hardest part about trying to get into the, the THL League and, and, and participate there is I, I actually found a comfort zone, like you were saying. I've played the same deck. I played a bunch of uh, on, on Agrofrost DK when it first came out, when it was hipster, before it was cool and it was everywhere. And um, I'm pretty sure that Frost has been cool the whole time. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But then I, I switched over. 10 out to, of 10. I switched to the uh, Evolve Shaman. And then I went to um, the Shagro Priest. And I, I mean, I got a lot of games under that. And I had a lot of success by playing a lot of games. And now I'm into this league. I'm like, I can't just play Shagro Priest. I just can't play one deck. I have to figure out how to play a lineup. And and now I've now this is where I've delved into this this whole dilemma more than I have in a while. You notice that in tournament play, it stretches different muscles, right? Like it just feels so different. Yes, it is very weird because it's it's not just and that and 
even if you feel comfortable with the deck, it's different in the, in these environments because you have to match it up against the decks they're bringing and and figure out how you're going to time it and if you can actually win and uh, if it even makes sense to bring versus the way a typical player tries to play and uh, yeah it's, it's very different muscles it's i always enjoyed that about tournament play that it encourages you to learn a lot more different strategies because the best way to well one of the best ways to be less tilted about a deck that you hate facing is to play it yourself and then learn how it loses so you can attack it more. But also, if you're deep in the tilt spiral, you will just say, well, it loses when I play it and wins when they play it. I'm so unlucky, blah, blah, blah. That's not a helpful mindset, by the way. You should work on that. That'll come up in a future episode of Bread and Butter. Um, <laughs> but it's it's all about... You really have to understand how the different pieces of the format fit together. When you play more tournament Hearthstone, you understand how the meta takes shape more often. Because when you build your lineups, you're like, well, this is what I have to ban, or this is what I want to ban, or maybe this is what I'll ban, I'm not sure. And then you build a bunch of decks around uh, the missing piece that you're taking out of the puzzle. And so when there's an imbalanced standard format, you're like, well, I'll just ban DK. And then, well, I guess I can play anything. Because everything else is about the same power level, or you enter into different formats where it's a lot more nebulous about where you're going to ban. So you look at the few different meta pillars, you're like, well, if I ban this, I have to bring this lineup. If I ban this, I have to bring this lineup. And they're completely different. It's really fascinating to see, and I think really helps shape a deeper meta understanding when you're like, well, this deck is limiting these others. And one of those decks is limiting these others. And which way do I want to go, and where is the power? I've always enjoyed that. And... I think it really helps manage expectations as well here and what terms do I get to play with. Because if you're in a tournament, you have made the choice by signing up for a competitive event that you're going to play to win. And that means leaving what you want to do at the door because the thing that you're there to do is win. Because it's a tournament. You don't sign up to a tournament to play casually. Like, you can, I guess, but I wouldn't because it's a tournament. Um, And that means that last season in THL... The vast majority of my Paladin games were Control, and I brought Priest a bunch, and instead of playing Boon or Naga or Shadow, I played Quest, because it was the right call into my opponent's lineup. I was leaving Rogue up, and so I I brought Quest Priest. It's not what I wanted to do, but it was the right thing, and I won the majority of my matches, so it was the thing to do. That's, That's tournament play for you. And that's one of the interesting things, too, is like you see a lot of the tournament decks hit the ladder once the tournaments are over, like Master Store is over, everyone's playing this deck, but a lot of those are built specifically for that thought of, hey, we're banning the best deck, and that means that these decks are all going to have weapons, so I should bring a uh, uh, Viper or whatever it might be in. But if you bring that to the meta, you're not doing yourself a service because you're not having that ability to ban the deck that's not having the, the weapon, and so you're going to see a lot more of that and it's not as efficient so there's a lot of that yeah it, it's just it's really all about understanding what you want out of the game and how okay you are really with doing different things or winning less those are the choices you have to make and you have to make sure that you are honest with yourselves and setting those boundaries because if you say I'm okay with winning less and then you play what you want to play and then you lose and then you hit the salt mine and complain a bunch you should have made a different choice because you weren't honest with yourself about what the outcome was going to be. 
Like, if you only want to play your way, if you only want to play one class, and you recognize you're leaving 10 out of 11 classes on the table, and then you go complain about how the game isn't balanced, like, it's not always your turn. So, you made your choice. You gotta decide where you're gonna land. And there are some people that kind of seem to land, have figured it out a little bit. They're good enough to brew their own decks, like, Adelice and Warshack and Funky Monkey, but also like Funky hits hits these pockets where he's he's pushing high up in the ladder with these weird off meta decks, and there 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 are some people out there that just can kind of have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else would you do with the cake? But also, Funky talked about that on the show we had him on. He's like. We asked him, how do you brew so successfully? He's like, well, you make peace with losing a lot because most of them aren't. Like, most of them aren't. He hits the, I made this deck and it crushed the ladder thing. Like, it doesn't happen that often. He has a higher hit rate than most. And even then, there are a lot of brews that do not get featured in meta reports because they're brews. You have to try a bunch of things. But, you know... We don't need to hear about all the failed experiments. We need to celebrate the successes and recognize that he's found a way to have his own fun. And it's not just about winning. Like, winning is the proof of, okay, there might be something here. But he's not just doing this for the win rate. Because overall, if you add every game he's played together, the win rate might not be there with these off-meta brews. But he gets to do it his way. And when it hits, it's so great. It's so, so great. And that's what he wants. And so he's accurately assessed that. He's accurately figured out, I am a brewer that I want to do my thing my way, and I've made peace with the losses, and he is held true to that word. And so that's really all you can ask for. I think the ultimate um, person that kind of exemplifies this is well, Mark, Marky Marks. Is that how you say Mark McZee? Mark McZee. I, I remember he posted his win rates before I knew who he was. And I think you or somebody else retweeted it. And I said, I, I looked at this and I'm like, I will pay the $10 so he can get a coin concede uh, uh, coaching. Like, because his win rates were like 8% on like all these decks. I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? And then I found out what he does is he, he goes for the, the really wacky combo stuff and and sometimes he hits sometimes he misses and, and that but it was like at first he is definitely committing to the bit of i'm going to play what's fun and interesting and i'm not going to care about winning and occasionally he does hit yeah and also he makes great videos he does and so like it's good content just again you have to recognize your expectations there he's a great player just it's not what he's in the game for right now oh and I, I i play there's been a couple of his decks that i have taken to especially in wild that i have taken like uh sunkeeper raw rogue is actually a little refinement away from being moderately viable at least that i'm on the climb mm. maybe not at a high level but um i've had I've, I've taken some of his decks and played at over 50 percent win rate so uh always fun um <laughs> So, Doc, do you have any uh, questions on this um, at all? Uh, I mean, as fantastic podcast content as it is, like, not necessarily, because, I mean, this is something that Hat knows and understands on a much, like, deeper level, level than I do, so I'm learning a bunch right now. Um, but also, like, for me personally, like, if I'm not having fun in Hearthstone, I'll just close the game and open up 
another game because that game's fun for me right now. So I feel at least managing like my relationship with the game, I feel like I am pretty decent at it because if I don't have fun, I just let it sit for a couple days or however long and do something else until the Hearthstone itch comes back because it usually always does. And then I go in and play Hearthstone and then I get frustrated or whatever and then i take some time away and i come back and it's just that's just how i that's just how i play the game and the management's all new and there's a lot of there's a lot of value to that it's a really nice approach and i wish more people kept it that simple of just i play when i'm having fun and i don't when i'm not though also so the value that you can find as far as making identification i've i've never been a huge fan of saying I only play Class X, but I recognize personally, for example, I really like playing Rogue Decks because Rogue Decks, they play a ton of cards all at once and then they do crazy stuff and then they kill you. I love that. And so I found that preference. I look at that preference. I look at, okay, well, I think of myself as a Rogue as a rogue player. I always say my favorite class is Rogue. But what does that mean? It means I like to feel clever. I like to play a bunch of cards and I like to do the murder. So I figure out what other classes can do at least two of those things. And I've really found I've, uh, I've become close with Demon Hunter. It's not as clever. Like sometimes it is. You do a bunch of math, a bunch of sequencing. But the, the class fantasy is not to be clever. It's to play a bunch of cards and then do the murder. So do that. It's fine. Really enjoy that. Having a good time. There are other times when I think about other classes that play a lot of cards and do a bunch of damage had a lot of fun with Naga Priest because it's the same sort of thing. I've always enjoyed the combo-y Priest decks with one-drops and cheap stuff and big burst damage. So what I'm trying to say is if you figured out your comfort zone, if you think of yourself as, I like this class, I like this style of deck, well, what does that really mean? What is the play pattern that you enjoy? And what are the skills that you demonstrate? I'm very good personally at being proactive because I'm very impatient. So I will play my things on curve and hit my opponent with them. I'm not very good at being reactive because I'm very impatient. So I'll have a removal spell and a bunch of open mana, and the correct play is to heal my own face and emote. But I'm not a priest player, so I don't know that. So instead, I play my removal spell on curve, and then they play more stuff, and I get blown out, and I lose. And then I watch Steve do it, and he's like, just say go. It's fine. So understanding your comfort zone is great for knowing when to step outside of it. I want to learn Control Priest. Okay, I'm going to try and figure this out by doing some wrong, doing the opposite of what I think is right. But when it's a new expansion and you want to know, what do I do that's going to make me enjoy this? Go look for decks that do the things you like to do. Go look for decks where you get to play a bunch of cheap stuff and you get to feel clever and you get to hit your opponent in the face. That's what I wanted to do, so I went and I found those decks. If you're a controlling player... Go look for the slower decks that are packed full of removal spells. Go play your Blood Decay if you must. If you're a combo-y player, go look for the damage stuff. If you're a Druid player, you already know what you do. Go find your ramp cards. Have a good time with 10 mana. We'll see you when we get there. It'll take a couple more turns. Um, but, like, these preferences are code for something. For some component of the game that you find really compelling allow yourself to translate what that means so that you can spread the definition of your comfort zone while still getting that feeling. That's the recommendation that I would make. 
Well, they're, they're solving one of those for you by um, introducing overheal. So no, you no longer have to heal your face. You just now have to play a minion, then heal that minion or, or something. But that, that's for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, proactively playing a minion? That's not something that they, they understand. <laughs> but no, that's, um, that, that's very good advice. And as always, and like you were saying, Doc, before, as far as you learned to shut down the game, that's something that's new for me because I, I, I've never run into that for Hearthstone or not really in Hearthstone, but with WoW, I've been playing for 15 years. And then we picked up this content creation thing where I started doing content. We started doing the podcast. I've been streaming. And this was all when it was kind of at a down point in WoW. And then WoW came back with Dragonflight. And I was struggling with my, my DPS. I run a WoW. I run a raiding guild. And it just was like too much. And I get to raid nights on Sundays and Tuesdays. I just wasn't feeling it. I, I wasn't happy. And for the first time like ever during actual content since Vanilla... I, I stepped back. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take a break and just not play. And, and that was something I never thought I would do. And, and it definitely changed kind of my relationship with WoW. I haven't, I haven't logged into WoW in months except to, like, do some admin stuff for the guild. And, and, and I, I, don't, I feel better about it. I feel like the stress has lifted because I no longer am being... Uh, it's a little aside from the topic, but what you were saying as far as you just shut the game down that's that's new for me so i understand that but to bring it back to the main topic here uh do you have any final thoughts on this i think i i have had so many thoughts at this point that i shouldn't do more so no i am good <laughs> how about yourself for now. how about yourself doc uh no i think i think what had is said uh so far like I don't think I could do anything Hat has said any justice by adding more <laughs> on the same topic right now. That's fair, and I think so, <laughs> so. No, and I think I'm getting full, so I think it's time for dessert. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, I agree. The time has come for this cookie. Um, so listeners, uh, please, if you feel so obliged, uh, leave us a review. Uh, we would prefer five stars, but review us however you think is fair and let us know what we do that you like, what we do that you don't like, just so that we can get a gauge on what we can do to improve the show because it helps us out. Uh, Hat, where can people find you? So uh, in my upcoming position as associate influencer manager, if you have any concerns or complaints about the way the game is being balanced or generally run, uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash stormrage23. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you have any nice things to share and you're generally happy, you can find me at twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. Uh, it's the hub of my Twitter content. Of course, it's going to be a little bit different without any podcasts on there. Um, but I will be there, and I imagine that I will remain fairly active because uh, a lot of the posts that I make right now, especially around things like patch timing and, and specifics on how the patches come out, I imagine that will stay pretty similar. And if you have rules questions or whatever or bug reports, just let me know. Actually, I wouldn't Doc, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you actually get to do that less because you have to be within the timing of when they tell you to do it or, or allow you to do it. Where previously you'd just be like, "I think we're going to have something on Tuesday." You can't necessarily do that anymore. Um, well, I can't speculate anymore. <laughs> but when patch notes come out, I can say this is a data only patch. This is a client patch. This is server side, whatever. Uh, and when people ask me things. Now, to be fair, 
it's really not that hard to figure out when they're going to patch. They do client patches every four Tuesdays. And those are the big ones. It goes in, this, in a cycle. The main expansion patch, four Tuesdays later, the Battlegrounds patch, four Tuesdays later, the mini set, four Tuesdays later, the pre-patch with the pre-order. And then repeat that forever. And in between all of those is a balance opportunity. And that is the whole thing. And so all I did at the beginning of the year was just got an Excel calendar template and just marked it all down. And then I just look at that whenever anyone asks me. Anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. <laughs> it's all it's all I do. Doc, where can people find you, my friend? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Twitch at Doc McButt. How about yourself, Tito? And you can find me at Tito Santana HS on both Twitter and Twitch. I stream most nights. Uh, Hat, do you have any shout-outs tonight? Just everyone that's really helped me get here. Uh, I would not have gotten this job uh, if it was not for the community supporting me. So really, like, everyone who's ever been there, thank you for being there. Doc, how about yourself? And of course, gentlemen, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, we appreciate it greatly to have you on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Um, So for me, first shout-out, Hat, thank you so much for being on and just being who you are. Cause like through, cause I've known you through the internet for about seven to eight years now through like THL it was when I first met you. Was that in Angoro meta? Uh, it was, bef- it was, a, it was Swagoy's first season in THL. So it was like THL season one or season two. Well, no, it would have been season one, season two was before my time. I didn't join until season four. So it's probably, it's probably more like five, six years. Okay. Well, regardless... Still a long time. Yeah, that's still a long time. Through the amount of time I have been aware of your existence, you have just shown time and time again that you're just a genuine, nice, loving person, and you you just have a big heart, and I appreciate you a lot, my guy. And thank you you so much for everything that you've done. Um, And a second shout-out. I want to shout-out my twin brother, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, one, I'm a twin. Two, my brother does film. Um, his biggest accomplishment so far, or not necessarily accomplishment, but the biggest thing he's done recently is he went to South Korea and filmed a very important documentary about the dog trade uh, in South Korea. Um, I found out today, uh, just like he did, that the documentary they have that they filmed got nominated for an impact on campus award at his university. So wow, that's uh that's pretty cool. Um so shout out to shout out to my brother. And uh Tito, how about yourself? Well, like you said, definitely want to shout out Hat for being here. Hat, you are one of the most patient people I've ever met because I know that a lot of people throw a lot of things at you and sometimes you're probably not in the mood to deal with them and sometimes you probably have other things going on and you have people like me saying uh, I'm about to have a podcast and something's wrong with my audio and you're, you're not even, you know, in that kind of mind space, but you are, whether or not you were able to help or not at the time, you're, you're so patient. And I remember uh, specifically, um, so we created this concept of not being a news show and we we're trying to like do a Hearthstone thing that was different, try to find our own voice. And 
educate people and i get a little worried because i started thinking about like hey okay so here's this topic this topic this topic this topic but like where do we go in like a few episodes are we gonna have things and you said to me that and this has stuck with me and, and it is what do you do all day every day in the discords and it's like well we talk about hearthstone it's like you're gonna be fine just just you're gonna be fine so so thank you very much for that and and it's you're you're a north star to a lot of us here in the uh creation space um, also, I want to thank um, This Week in Hearthstone, uh, who has been very supportive of my fight nights and is just generally doing some kick-ass work on their own, trying to create some content and do the, the new show that he's doing every week, and it's been great. And um, Doc, I want to thank, thank you, because you've been um, just a solid co-host, and here we are 20, uh, what, 23 episodes later, and um, hopefully we just keep on going. And you know, there's this space that the angry chicken has uh, left in a vacuum, and, and you know, <laughs> it's some someone's got to fill that space. Why not us? <laughs> it's a pretty big vacuum, my guy. Well, I mean, there's room for all of You'll us. You'll be then. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think we're done here. I think we're toast. See ya. See ya. Bye. Slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic. It's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light. <laughs> <laughs>